Welcome back, folks, to the Restoring Darkness podcast. Today's show, it's just going to be John Bullock and I discussing what we've learned um, in the last year and talking about some of our wonderful guests that we've had such a great honor to, to speak to. And I want you to consider going to RestoringDarkness.com and grabbing some of the great merch. That's right. You can, you can wear a Restoring Darkness t-shirt or a hoodie or hat. Go for it. Hey, John, how are you? Hey, Michael, I'm okay. I see. I think I think we're all trying to get to that wind down position. It's the end of the year. We're sort of, mm-hmm. you know, as you said, we're looking back, looking back what the, what 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 that's been like. Looking forward to wondering what the hell that's going to be like. Mm. But uh, it's been it, there's been some fantastic things going on. You know, in in in, in amongst a, a global scene where you wonder if you're actually going to get to the end of the year. We've had some fantastic conversations. We have, and and you know, you know, and some wonderful guests that have really honored us with their time and, and contribution to the movement. Um, you know, earlier, you know, I I realized that this is really a century issue. This this darkness restoration, night restoration, preservation, and dark skies. It's the it's the issue of the twenty first century, I believe, for the lighting industry. Would you concur with that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's it, in fact it's 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 one of the issues for the lighting industry, but it's as a yeah as as we as we've seen with exterior lighting, everyone is looking to do it differently. It's it's obvious. It's out there. We have got to change our ways. Uh, truth be told, it's happening in interior lighting, but it's much more subtle. With this one, we can actually look at it and go that needs to that needs improvement. That may be the way that we've been doing it since electricity. We could you know, we could run it up a pole, but now we know we need to change these things. So the like if we, if it can be said that the lighting industry has goals, I'm not sure that that can be stated like just straight out that the lighting industry has a goal. Can that even be that? Can that even be agreed upon? You know, is like is there some group of people that would say state that? Is that possible to say? I think they, I th- I think they do, um, and I don't think it works. I, I I think you can I think you can have a somebody comes up and says, "Do you realise how much energy we use on exterior lighting?" And someone will pluck out a number and go, "Wow, that's a very very big number." They go right, and it's our aim, it's our objective through our technology to be able to reduce that figure by. Oof, 30%, 50%, who knows what percent. Let's do that. And then the real world kicks in and unintended consequences kick in. And as we know, the Jevons paradox mm-hmm. kicks in. Mm-hmm. And guess what? We're doing things better, but we're doing so much more of it that there is no net reduction. There's just more efficient lighting. Mm-hmm. So there is, so, so, so when the targets are being set, the targets are not being set in in a um, it, it, what shall we say? They're not being set in a, in a global fashion. You know, if we were to to say, look, it's very simple. It's like a household budget. If I've only got, I'll do this in I'll do this in Canadian. If I've only got a hundred dollars in my pocket, okay, I can only spend a hundred dollars. Hmm. But if you just say to a whole group of people, we're all going to spend a hundred dollars. Guess what? They won't, because some people in there will spend two hundred dollars. Some will only spend fifty. Mm-hmm. 
But if you say the global thing is, if I add everybody up here and you've, there's, there's, I've got 10 people in this room and you've all got $100, we've only got $1,000 to spend. And I'm going to take 300 of those dollars away. And now you've only got $700 to spend. If it was that absolute, and that's the problem, because we know your opinion of regulation and registration and codes and standards, it doesn't end up with a good result. The, the thing that we things that we've heard things that we've heard this year, um, the real drivers, the real improvements in the way that we do things, are coming from individuals who are doing the job properly. And what we're trying to do is to point people at those guys and say that's the way forward. Yeah, amplify their it's voice. Not, yeah, you yes, know, yeah. I, I here's my. I think this kind of is a critique of the larger environmental movement as vis-a-vis -vis carbon emissions okay and this is going to be a critique of it it's you ever notice like when a company is run by a visionary so let's take steve jobs for example he's like the quintessential visionary right and you see the yep. company goes from you know the stock is worth a dollar to thousands of dollars over the course of 10 years or whatever this ramp up of of um of creativity and execution and all that sort of stuff and then what happens is a, an accountant takes over Right, Steve Jobs dies. Steve Jobs dies, and some, you know, Tim Cook takes over. He's a bean counter, okay? Mm. And you know, you don't, you see zero innovation. Like I, I hate to say this to Apple, but they have had they invented nothing since the iPad. Nothing. There's no different. This is basically exactly the same thing, and you know, now it's called the iPhone X or whatever. There's zero innovation, and I think the lighting industry fell prey to the lumens per watt goal. And like we, we capitulated to it and the lighting people got pushed aside, utilities took over and bean counters took over and governments like they do this kinds of legislation. Like we need to get rid of all of these light bulbs because their lumens per watt are not meeting this standard yes. or we need to get rid of them because they contain mercury and they do these blanket bean counter kind of bans and feel good about it. And I think it's problematic because if you have the wrong goal, you're going to like, we usually accomplish our goals, but sometimes we haven't thought through the goal correctly. And so we actually accomplished what we want to wanted to accomplish, but we stuck our heads in the sand when it came to light pollution, um, when it came to, uh, uh, you know, glare and flicker, all these things that we already knew about before the LED boom we capitulated to and threw out the window and all that mattered was lumens per watt. And now we've accomplished our goal and we have all sorts of crappy outdoor street lighting that's turning purple, that's burning out, that's um, creating all kinds of glare and all kinds of uh, bad light. And I, I think we could uh, adopt a new prep presupposition and I'm going to throw it at you here. Okay. All light is pollution okay so every bit every lumen all electric light is pollution whether that pollution is by consuming energy whether that pollution is by using raw materials whether that in in different lamp spaces and different types of fixtures and all that sort of stuff or whether that pollution is irresponsible outdoor light at night whatever factor you want to look at it and the lighting industry should change its focus from lumens per watt 
to um, optimal minimum light created. And okay, yeah. And what that means is, it's like it's not about lumens per watt. It's about whether the fixture can be field repaired. It's about whether or not the the lighting can be controlled. Can it be turned off or dimmed when nobody is there? Can it be tuned to a color that's more friendly to the wildlife and the bio, uh, the, the the to the the wildlife in the area? Um, can it be? Uh, um, is it shielded and and, and does it um, does the light go places where it shouldn't? Because once we create that light, we can't control it. There's no controlling the light after it's created. We can direct it. We can energize it. We can dim it. But we can't control it once we release it. It's gone forever off into the universe. So I think if we took the view that all light is pollution and we need to mitigate it at all, at all levels and in all ways, how do you feel about that? I'm, hey, I'm going to agree with you. Um, let me just roll back the conversation a, a, a little. Um, there, are things that, there are things that you can say and you can make it happen, uh, not in lighting, but in in, in domestic refrigeration. Um, the the gases that were used in in, in the refrigeration, which were causing oz holes in the ozone layer, you just say to the industry, stop using it, and they stopped using it, and that worked. Mm -hmm. You can say to the lighting industry, no more mercury. Mm -hmm. And they can do it. They can do that. And most of them are with one or two notable exceptions mm -hmm. who are preferred just to carry on making the money that they can out of using mercury based sources. Outrageous. But that's the way of it. But if we wanted to. But that's a very, very different thing from saying, and now we're going to base everything on lumens for what? Mm -hmm. We've this year we've had we've had a, a situation where our building regulations have been reviewed on energy efficiency, um, and friends of mine have, have have been on the on the panel, and they have been saying exactly what you've just been talking about when it when it comes to actually determining the efficiency and the effectiveness because they're two different things of a lighting scheme. It's not about the lumens per watt. What came back from the other side of the table was government wants a number. Mm -hmm. Bean counters. Bean counters. Because if we just have a number, everyone can, everybody can then work on that number. And of course, then we go back and say, all right, so so long as we are producing a scheme which uh, everything is at a minimum of 120 lumens per watt, say, it doesn't matter if we use a thousand lighting fixtures in that building even mm -hmm. though they might only need 500 because everything is being done according to your lumen per watt figure. So there's, the, the, there's, there's a layer of sort of crass stupidity mm -hmm. in all exactly. of this. Yes. They say, we just want to, we just want a number because then we can advertise the number mm -hmm. and the people out there who don't know, they don't, they don't get it. They don't understand it. It's not their job to understand it because mm -hmm. that's our job to understand it. Sure. We'll say, well, that's, that's, that sounds jolly good to me. And you go, no, because there's more to it. The practical conversations that are going on are much more in the, now around system design. Here we are in December, at the end of the year, and all the conversations I've been hearing down, but past, in the past few months all come down to it's not about the product. It's all about how you use it. It's not about mm -hmm. the control. 
it's how you use it. Sure. Everything is about there's a project, there's a specification. And all the things that make that specification are the things that make sure that this job works. And the people who are, the, if you like, the, the, um, the renegades in all of this are coming up with fantastically low performance figures. Mm -hmm. Wonderfully low performance. But they have to justify what they're doing because they are they, they're designing below standard. And the people, who, the people who are running the standards are saying, well, you can't do that. I need, I need five times more light than you're putting into that space. Mm -hmm. go, no, we don't need to do that. We heard that from Kerim a few, sure. just a few weeks back. Sure. You know, it's, 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 we don't need that kind of light. If we, if we actually come at this from the real world and we go, on a full moon, we can walk around and the full moon is delivering what? One lux or half a lux or whatever it might be. And the dark adapted eye can see perfectly well to get home under those conditions. But, you know, Look to look to British standards. Look to street lighting standards. Well, he, we'll you want to know? You want to hear something interesting? You mi you missed Go. the episode with Sabine, Sabine Frank, and I think Scott's just going to put it out. He's going to drop it, I think, tomorrow. And what she made a super interesting point that if there is no light fixture, there is no regulation. So it's only when you introduce a light fixture that it's now regulated. If yeah. there if there isn't a light fixture there. Then there's no minimum lux required, or no minimum foot candles required, or anything, right? So she's like, "There's no obligation in Germany. This is in Germany, and I wonder if it's the same in Canada and Britain and everywhere else. There's absolutely no obligation for towns in Germany to light their streets at all. It's only when they light their yeah. streets that the regulations come into effect." Yeah, that's right, and, and we have the same. So we have the same. And I, and I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday because he's just he's just been asked to, to, to look at ex exactly this kind of situation. It's a private estate. So mm -hmm. you have to drive through the gates and you have to drive up the road before you actually come to the houses. Mm -hmm. And he says, you know, what 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 lighting standards should I look at? I said, it's private property. You don't need any light. You don't. Well, you don't have to have any light you might sure. determine that light is needed sure but that's then up to you but you've now got to turn around to your client and explain that don't expect street lighting standards don't expect you know just because we're using light don't expect us to, don't expect to go to a british standard document and go yeah i've, I've built it to that section one subsection three section four yeah. of, of the yeah 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 i know what you mean because they're it's, all out there they're all out there and the lazy thinking will be oh we'll do it to british standard you go no please god no do not do it to british standard because you mm -hmm. don't have to sure so, so, sure so what she's saying is, is absolutely right if you don't put any light in people just shrug their shoulders and walk away sure. but as soon as you put light in go where's your paperwork Where's your justification for that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where, what's the minimum foot candles that you're supposed to have on a street light at this? Yeah. This is where it all kicks in, it, you know. And so, and I'm not, I'm not advocating for no street lighting. I think what I'm advocating is for a, a mindset shift, a paradigm shift. Darkness is no pollution. So when it gets dark, that darkness does not increase pollution at all. And if we look at ourselves like a lot of the you know, the antinatalists out there and the anti-human folks out there, you know, they, you know, some of these environmentalists, you think the next sentence out of their mouth is like, if we just got rid of all the humans, there would be no pollution at all. But in fact, th you know, that, that essentially, <laughs> essentially like the act of living 
is to create some sort of pollution. It's to affect the environment around you. I don't like the word pollution, but it's to affect the environment around you. Now, I'm not by any means antinatalist. I, am, I do not subscribe to that in any way, shape, or form. But I think if we were to look at all of our activities create a certain amount of pollution. And it really is our, uh, and the sign of an intelligent society would be to structure those from most polluting, most dangerous to least dangerous and begin mitigation or elimination of certain types of activities, right? And then you structure that list, you know, for example, like you, you hear about carbon emissions, but you know what? What about hazardous waste? Like, are we actually dealing with our like high level hazardous waste properly? Like there's, there's different angles you can, you can look at this sort of thing, but you structure it. And if the lighting industry were to structure this list, and say, you know, how can we solve all these problems with one clear, concise goal? You would say that, that all light is pollution and it should be optimized to what is needed. And that's it. Yeah, I, I, I think that I think that um, I think that statement that, 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 that sort of underpins what we're what we're saying is, I, I hope anyway, is is that. Um, we clear up after ourselves, mm -hmm. don't mm -hmm. we? Isn't, isn't that you know, the, the the fact is that we are we are we are a we are a, we, we are tool users as a species. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we sure. might be some of us might still be dra dragging our knuckles on the ground, but we're probably still driving a motor car. Sure. So we are we are we are tool makers and we are tool users. And as soon as you do that, you will make waste. You know, you you whittle it. Whittle a piece of wood to, to you know to make a sharp stick so that you can go and kill a deer. Well, mm -hmm. there's still waste wood out there that you've got to do something about. And we've never had that. We you know we've we've never really we've never really ad addressed and embraced the fact that as an advanced tool maker and tool user, we've actually got a bit of a responsibility to to, to clear up after ourselves. Because yeah, couldn't, so couldn't far, you know, more. don't dump on your own, don't dump on your own doorstep. We've sure. been dumping on our own doorsteps for generations. Yeah, I, 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 I would agree with that. And I think, you know, often ignored is the waste industry, which is an interesting, I'm, I'm part of the waste industry and people don't think about it enough. They, they, um, you know, for example, one of the, the, the great policies uh, uh, in, in, that's been adopted across the board in Ontario, which absolutely drives me crazy is that the school boards um, and all schools have adopted this, that the kids are not allowed to throw out their lunch stuff into the school garbage. They have to take it home with them. Okay, so you get back these lunchbox covered in yogurt and all filthy, dirty, and all this kind of stuff. And the schools are claiming that we've saved billions of uh, tons of waste from going to landfill. And it's like, what are you talking about? Like, that's, so, that's well, such a preposterous statement to make obviously that stuff's going in the garbage somewhere, okay? And the fact that you're sending kids home with their banana peel and their empty yogurt carton in their lunchbox so it can mess up the lunchbox and claiming some kind of, you know, environmental bona fides from that is absurd, John. And this is the kind of stuff that's going to get us nowhere. But this is what we have as, as a... As, as, and this is, this is endemic. This is, this is across the whole human biosphere that everyone is trading to it's not my responsibility it's your responsibility yeah but the pre the principle so, of waste well, aversion the principle of waste aversion is consolidation and separation of waste 
right? So in fact, yes. people should be encouraged to bring their waste to places where it can be consolidated like a school, right? And then, uh, yes, you understand what I'm saying? It's the opposite of what should happen. As soon as the waste is dispersed and mixed, it becomes very difficult to deal with. And like the, 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 that, that, that policy is having a huge unintended consequence of number one, you know, sending waste back to where it can't be consolidated, destroying lunch boxes and forcing us to buy more lunch boxes because eventually they get destroyed because they're covered in gunk and bacteria and everything else. And so like it's backwards thinking like that, but they've checked their box, John. And you know, the, the bureaucrat has checked his box with the lumens per watt. And all of this is getting us nowhere, which is why I think we should step back and say that all electric light is pollution. Period. End of the story. Yes. And then what are you going to do? We we should tell the industry like the for, like the other thing that that's emerged from me, and you know I do you know as you know I do this show and I do the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast is is that the lighting advanced lighting controls industry is a solution looking for a problem, okay. Except yeah. they're looking in the wrong place. The number one easy win application for lighting controls is so obviously in municipal street lighting. Like it's so obvious to me. The, there's endless benefits to controlling street lighting, you know, from you could sit around and cook them up, but nobody discusses it. Nobody talks about it. Why? They don't talk. Well, I, I believe they don't talk about it because we are we are now far too compartmentalized. Um, solutions that, that, that require more than one pigeonhole are, are difficult. Uh, the idea that you might want to take two pigeonholes and knock, a, knock the wall out so there's only one bigger pigeonhole is it seems to be beyond the, the wit of, 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 of most people that we that we deal with. But if in effect, that's what that's what you're saying. Um, we cannot have a situation where someone can go, I've sorted this out. You go, how did you sort it out? I've given the problem to somebody else. Oh, so you haven't sorted it out. All you've yes, done is exactly. you've kicked it down the road. Yes. Yeah, thank you very well. That's, you know, that, that, that's absolutely great. Um, we, I, I'll, I'll give you, I wasn't, we're not going to, we're not going to knock the educational system, but we, we've got a situation in, in the UK and I don't, it's probably the same in Canada as well, but energy is costing fortunes. Heating bills have gone up. We're talking about creating warm spaces where people who, who just haven't got the resource to be able to turn their heating on can go somewhere warm. And I, I belong to, to, to a group in, in town here and, and, and we're looking for initiatives to be able to help with that. And I say, um, why can't why can't the schools open up? They've all got dining rooms. They've all got big spaces and they got you can't do that. What do you mean you can't do that? Well, no adult is allowed into a school unless they've been properly assessed that they're not child molesters. And you go, that's ludicrous. In yep. this situation, that is ludicrous. I understand why you've done that. I understand why that's important. But in this case, it's ludicrous. And all the time, we're just looking at ludicrous decisions that just make life easy for people rather than saying, I think it's time to embrace some difficulty. And what we're talking about is that me as a lighting designer, when I put a specification together, I've got to work much, much harder to put a, spe a specification together that satisfies your requirements for, for, for good um, lighting husbandry, shall we say, Sure. than what I would have to do if I was just saying this satisfies part L of the building regulations. So we all 
have to come and play. You know, we, we've all got to come out and, and, and I don't know, join the party, get on the team, look to see where the goal is and say we're all headed in the same direction. And in Britain in the 21st painful. century, in Britain in the 21st century, you have people that are going to die because they can't afford to heat their homes. And the response yes. from the school board is that you can't use these publicly paid for buildings to help people because of our policies with respect to our teachers and volunteer parents. Yes. That's basically, so, what that's basically what's being said. So uh, what, 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 what they're implying is implying for what they're implying is it's somebody else's problem. Mm -hmm. We acknowledge that this is a problem because the people we're talking about are the grandparents and the parents sure. of the kids in the school. Sure. Yeah. But I'm sorry, we can't help you. You need to go and talk to other bits of authority because they can make it work. You know, you know, and, and I, can, I, I always say that, you know, educational workers are picked on the most, but that's because everybody's had teachers in their life and they understand what the school system <laughs> is about, right? Like not yep. everybody's been a plumber or been a, you know, whatever, you know, in the, you know, whatever trade that, you know, a pilot or a train operator or whatever, but everyone's been to school for a long time and they know that there's a lot of bad teachers that unions yes. protect. Okay. And it happens everywhere. All right. And I'm not saying that all teachers are bad. Some of them have a great vocation, but we all know that, you know, there's, you know, so, but I'm not sure we have the social cohesion to execute on public education strategies. I'm not sure we have the social cohesion to use our already generated real estate assets to help people in our own communities. Like that is so tremendously sad to me. It's unbelievably makes me so sad. That social cohesion would be nice. Social you know? cohesion would be nice. You know, we, 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 are, we are looking at the, you know, the, the breakdown of, of, of democratic ideals all the way across Europe, all the way across the, the, the American continent. Um, that, you know, just, just the idea that, that you can disagree with someone and have an argument with them and then walk away and they're still friends. Yeah. As opposed to throwing rocks at them is, yeah, it, it shows that we've, we've, well, the, rocks the, would the, be better. I mean, in some, in, in some sense, yeah. it's like, you know, like you have no guts on your stupid Twitter handle, like insulting people. Like what, what does that take? I mean, I'd rather you, you try it to my face, bud, and then see yeah. what happens. You know what I mean? Treat me with disrespect right to my face and we'll see. Most people don't have the guts for that. It's this cowardice that's infused our culture that people are afraid to, you know, uh, to, to say that, this is what do you mean? This grandmother needs a warm place to go, and your door is locked. I'm we're way off topic here, but your door is locked to her because she hasn't got a police report, and she's going to be in there after hours when no kids are even in the building anyway. And but your door is locked because of policy that you can't change. Eh? That is such a cowardly excuse to to put out there for that. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And and, and I think that's that's the. If you like, that's the the, the analogy for the, for this, this for the thing that we're really talking about. Mm -hmm. That it that it is someone saying, "You, you, I can't do that. I'm not mm -hmm. allowed to do that." Well, how do we get you? To, how do we get you to a place where you can do that? What does it? What would it yes. take for you to? I mean, may, maybe as we're seeing with with some of our lighting design colleagues, they break the rules. Sure. So maybe it needs a head teacher to go. Tell you what. Come in round the side door. 
Sure. And what will make sure that we've got an, we've got a bit of an isolated space. The kids don't need to go in there. Yeah. But you know, it's not it's not a broom cupboard. You know, you'll be comfortable and you'll be warm, and we'll make sure you've got some, you know some tea and coffee. But we'll get you in. Or we'll accelerate the process of approval. Whatever you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to bring a police officer down. He's volunteered. And he's going to sign off on everybody's form as they come in or whatever. You know, it's like this idea. I've tried nothing and I'm out of ideas. You know what I'm saying? It's like... (laughs) You know what? They're like, what are you talking about? We're like, this is a... This is a... Literally, literally a... um, a uh, uh, life or death uh, existential problem for some people in Britain this winter. It's freezing cold yeah. there now, and yes. uh, they need they they can only afford to heat their home maybe at night or whatever, and they need a place to go read a book and 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 maybe it'll build community. Maybe the people will come there and play cards and hang out and and you know it's so sad. The 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 oh, the disappointment going on to tragedy here is is that. On one level, if someone just comes up and says, you can't use a light fitting that's, that's less than 120 lumens per watt, you go, that's just bureaucracy. We understand where you're coming from. Okay. Yeah. One day you'll grow up and understand is not the answer. But mm. when you get the same conversation from the same kind of people who say, you are, cannot come into this warm space because you are not properly authorized. And they're prepared to take that kind of bureaucratic thinking, that stonewalling, Mm-hmm. And, and 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 put it in it literally, as you say, into a life and death situation mm-hmm. means that we there are far more important things to be talking about than than the way we're designing lighting installations. Sure. But it does come down to the fact that people do die on the streets. We do. We, people, you know, we, you know, people do we, get run over by cars. They, they, they get attacked by, by bad people. Things happen. And then all of a sudden, no pun intended, the spotlight gets put back onto how we deal with our public uh, with our public arena you know right but 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 what i would say and and i and, and i agree and i agree with you wholeheartedly and that's why we stay in our lane and i think that's the, one of the important things um you know with with this type of dialogue and when we're talking about these kinds of things and hey maybe we're wrong about the school maybe they have a good reason to freeze people to death i don't know okay but here here would be my counterpoint to that we should stay in our lanes and that's because people listen to the Restoring Darkness podcast or Get a Grip Online because, you know, John and Michael actually have some expertise in that world that other people would like to know. And perhaps they enjoy listening. Of course, they enjoy listening to us discuss these issues. Otherwise, they wouldn't listen. Right. So we we do have some expertise. We're staying in our lane and we're you know, we comment on things outside and we go back to lighting and we say, look, we want to get rid of these you know, tried nothing and we're out of ideas, folks, that are running the lighting industry and yeah. using bad well, metrics. We've got, would it were that those of us who know what we're doing would were, were listen to? Mm. Because, you know, as I said, my friends who are sitting on the panel of, 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 of new lighting standards for, for, mm. the, for, for, for building regulations, they're the experts. They're the ones who are out there every day of the week. The people on the other side of the table are not experts, but it was the people on the other side of the table who were calling the shots Mm -hmm. because they were the ones who were actually being paid by the government or whatever the arrangement was. In in North America, it was the utilities. In North America, it was the utilities that were calling the shots. Um, And and since since what did somebody who knows what a power station looks like, uh, be an expert in in lighting. I, well, I in, Nor- in in North America, no, the most of the power companies were called Power and Light. 
So it, it, like yeah. if you if you look at the actual traditional structure of California Edison or whatever, they would have started off as a supplying power and street lighting. That was their mandates, right? But somehow 20, 30 years ago, they got rid of all the lighting experts that they had at the utilities. And they took that information and they outsourced it to an accreditation agency. And that accreditation agency focused only on lumens per watt. And so yeah. that th- this is why we find ourselves in this mess. The other problem is that the experts or the people that actually know stuff will not be so certain as those that don't. Only oh, someone that doesn't know anything is totally certain about everything. Right? I was, I, so, Michael, I was just, just as you were saying that, what went through my mind was the trouble is we're never going to come up with a this is right and this is wrong because as experts we we know the nuances Mm. we know the differences you could do this and you could do that it probably won't make any difference which way you go because they'll both work and someone no 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 that's i need i need i need that certainty word again i need to know that this is right because you need i need to put my signature at the bottom of the piece of paper Mm -hmm. so all the time we've been we've been driven into into this mechanistic uh, approach that this this is the way that we have to do things meanwhile as we said you know there are glaring holes in that mechanistic approach that they go this works yeah but no one's looking at that mm-hmm. you're you you know, you've that your box can be ticked your scheme is wrong and how he, do we you know here here's what's going to happen if the lighting industry doesn't get its act together, and I don't know if that needs to be an international level, but it certainly needs to be at the level of, say, a Britain or the European Union or North America, okay? Like, it needs yeah. to be a very big block that gets together and says, look, to the regulators and to the government, this is the direction we need to go in, and it starts with all of your goals can be achieved, can be largely achieved, not through lumens per watt, not through that, but for the, through the restoration and preservation of night and darkness. If you take that, if you substitute all of your other goals on the outdoor lighting play and you replace it with this, that we yeah. want to preserve and restore darkness by using responsible outdoor light at night. If you replace that goal with this goal, you will get the carbon emissions. You will get the circadian. You will get the safety. You will get all the things that you need on the other side, except you need to focus on this particular aspect and make it work for you everywhere else. So you're not allowed to put up unshielded high Kelvin temperature uh, street lighting anymore. Not allowed. You have to do it this way. If that means more poles, if that means bollards, whatever it means, that's what it means. You got to do it. And then you have to enforce it. And you know what? Everyone's going to get rich, John. Like, I don't understand why people don't buy into this because it's a boom. <laughs> it's a fighting boom. Uh, it, it, yes, it should be. And and you know that as far as I'm concerned for, for, for next year, that's the, the kind of, of pressure that we need to be to, to, to be starting to to put onto the system. Yes, the, the lighting industry you. system or something like industry, yes. push them and say, look, everybody needs to get on board with this because it's also not only is it the right thing to do morally, ethically, it's not legal yet, but we want to make it the legal right thing to do as well. Not only is that, but it also presents us with our largest single business opportunity and application for all of our new knowledge, including lighting controls and circadian. There are those who are already making fortunes out of this, this broken system 
and those people are desperate that the system doesn't change because if the system changes they lose market share and john Someone's bullock calls winning. me a conspiracy theorist <laughs> <laughs> we know where we know where they meet it's i would say i would say it's not intentional i would say that they they could be convinced and persuaded if they listen to three or four episodes of the restoring darkness podcast by the end of three or four episodes they'd probably be like you know what bullock and colligan are right Let's go with this darkness stuff because it's a massive business opportunity. I don't think those people are conspiring to create light pollution. I just think they don't know what to do. Or maybe they're not even aware that there's a problem. And that's why we're doing this. We're making awareness and we're, we're creating awareness. But we're also, we're also telling them that this, is not, this doesn't mean selling less light fixtures. In fact, it means selling more light fixtures. So we have to create a little bit of more pollution. Like I said earlier in the conversation, we got to make proper light fixtures. I would advocate for um, if that technology that TCP has come up with, the corn cob killer, the high lumen filament yeah, lamps, yeah. I would advocate for those in uh, 200 lumen per watt uh, screw in and metal halide shapes in basic ballast free fixture housings that are shielded and 2200 Kelvin temperature with lighting controls on them. I would, I don't see how that, like that's a, that's a $75 outdoor light fixture that's completely repairable, replaceable, and uh, a 30 watt fixture that replaces 150 lumen, 150 watt fixture. Like it accomplishes everything you're talking about. You can screw it into a baller. I'm advocating it. That's what I would advocate for. Maybe the industry won't go for that, but whether we do or not on that, the, the focus should be on eliminating light pollution of all kinds. That's what it should be. The entire industry should focus on that. Yes, the focus has got, has got to be on the outcome. The focus has got to be on quality yes. outcome. Yes. Yeah. And there's no knowledge gap. We know, like it's very, the darkness restoration piece to the lighting, we, it's not a, it's not a, it's not an engineering issue. It's not a, it's not, it's a specification issue to specify mm. the right lights. And there's people that know yep. how to do this. So, John, you know, as always, you and I can go on forever. Is there any final thoughts to wrap it up here? Um, the, the, we, we do have a journey. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I think that I'm, I'm, thinking I'm, pro I'm, I'm probably coming out of the year more enthused than I was. And, and, and it is, this, this is not pulling your chain in any way. But, but this is because, you know, the conversations that, that you guys have helped generate this year, because it means that we are, we have been speaking to people who are going, I think we should be doing things differently. And you go, Ooh, yes, please. Mm -hmm. So we know that the guys are out there. We know that there are people already having these conversations and it's, it's a case. I think our job, as we said, is to, is to, is to ensure that those kind of messages get pushed forward, get promulgated and developed. And you know, so that, that they're the conversations that have been, have been had around manufacturers, product design tables, mm -hmm. but they're also being had around, I don't know, uh, uh, town councils who say, you know, we need to read, you know, we, we need to relight our town center. How should we be doing mm -hmm. that? Has anybody mm. gone out and done a Google on on sort of modern street lighting? Do we need it? Do we, do we need some of those horrible cold LED lights? And somebody who comes up and goes, "Well, actually, 
I I caught so, somebody put somebody gave me the link to 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 some I don't know restoring darkness thing podcast the yeah. other day and yeah, was, I must say that it was quite impressive. Yeah. And, you go, and right, why don't we okay? Well, you know, maybe that's a great idea, but you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish with this, and it's unfortunate, but I believe it's true. I think it's a law. Okay. Change cannot occur until the pain of staying the same exceeds the pain of change. Ooh. So you got to focus on, on the note. pain. You got to focus on the pain. If you made it to the end, you know. You, can't, you, 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 cannot, you can't imagine pain. It's impossible to imagine pain. You, no. can, you, you, when you know when you've had, you know that you've had toothache, but when you try and bring that pain back, it's very, very difficult. The pain that you're talking about has to be real. You want me to be really dark now sure. because sure. this has been quite a serious conversation. This last weekend, four young boys drowned in in a in a lake oh. in in Birmingham oh. because it was frosted over. And they went out on they went out onto the lake and the ice broke and the, and uh, I think two or three more got pulled out and they're still in hospital. But four young lads died. Oh. I think eleven the, the oldest was eleven years old. There is something about someone ha has to die for the rest of us to be saved. That a, ca a catastrophe has to happen in order that all the other nine, 10, 11 year old kids do not suffer the same fate. And for us in, in the UK, we've had Grenfell Tower, which we are still arguing over. Mm -hmm. you know, 70 odd people get killed in, in a fire that, that, that should never have happened. And we hope we, we, we hope we take our lesson from that. Young lads that, that fall through the ice and, and, and drown in, 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 a, in, a, in a local pool. Horrible. And we should and, and, and we have to learn from that. And maybe that's part of the cost of being a human being. It is. That if we don't, we, because it's too difficult to imagine, we prefer not to imagine it. And then it happens, and it is an absolute devastating catastrophe for all of us. Mm -hmm. But perhaps, you know, if it, if it, is, if it is part of, of, of the, human, the, the human character, that we have to have sacrifice of some sort in order that we move forward. And I think that's what you just said. You know, that pain has to be known, and that pain has to be acted on. What, wouldn't it be great if we had sufficient imagination to go, we can act on it, and I'd rather just try and imagine the pain, but I don't really see why anyone should have to suffer it. I don't think it's possible. That's the problem. You know, that's the problem. That's the, the, it is, and that's such a sad thing that, the, that those young boys died and other lives are ruined, and it, um, you know, it's sad. But, you know... The with when when it comes to the light pollution um, piece, it's the pain is being ratcheted up on the energy consumption side. You know, oh, yeah. you can see the the pain is creating the change. Can we can we can we make it a different outcome? Like we we would rather the lights weren't turned off because of no energy. You know, we would rather yeah. that we had enough energy to keep the lights we needed on, but they were dark sky friendly and, and commissioned and the right yeah. wattage and optim, the optimal minimum of what we need so that we can have 
this sort of this sort of stuff and and that's why I think it's a it's you know it's um you know it, it, it's time to focus on the pain and look at it and yeah. say we need to change folks it's our it's our job it is, it is it is our job to imagine the worst in order to prevent the worst mm -hmm. and if you've made it to the end check out restoringdarkness.com we got merch there we got a bunch of other things and some big news coming out in the new year we have um yeah, I'm not going to say it now, but thanks for listening. Bye for now.